0: And welcome to Little Gold. Hey, wait a minute, guys! I don't have to do this anymore. Katie Rich is back.
1: Hey! Yay! I
0: welcome Katie.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I'm back with uh, all the scripted intros you could possibly need. Thank God. Uh, welcome to Little Gold Men. It's still the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply, and we're still proving that award season is a year-round event. I'm Katie Rich, as previously mentioned. I am back. I'm here with Vanity Fair's Digital Director Mike Hogan Hi Katie And Vanity Fair's Film Critic Richard Lawson Hello And Vanity Fair's Senior Writer Joanna Robinson Hello Yay (laughs) I am back And uh, I had really Great timing And I went on leave During all of the Fall festivals So I don't know Anything about Oscar season And I'm going to Rely on you guys To catch me up Because that's what This podcast is all about And then after that We're going to be Joined by Molly Shannon Who is the star Of the drama Other People Which got rave reviews At Sundance And is now in theaters And available on Demand, but first you guys talked about the Emmys. The Emmys are a distant memory, but uh, it's never too early to think about next year. And HBO has brought us Westworld, which is their big new splashy series. They're hoping will be the new Game of Thrones as that series is ending. Before it can win any Emmys, is it any good? Can you guys uh, let me know if the show is any good?
2: Uh, I like it. (laughs) Good. I I give
0: it, I think, a pretty positive review on the site well and you said that the first episode isn't even what's good which is all the rest of us have seen how many episodes have you seen four okay four
2: and joanna
1: you've seen four as well right i've seen four as well yeah
2: now joanna do you agree with me that three and four are the strongest episodes that we've seen
3: i think four is yeah i agree about four sandy newton's stuff gets really interesting in four um but i liked it like richard did but i have like a monuments valley full of reservations about westworld i'm just really nervous i think i've been burned a lot by these big splashy premieres i want it to be good though i really do
1: yeah joanna you have a piece up on the site right now that's kind of about how we have all these shows premiering that say they have an end game and they say they have the whole thing mapped out but not many shows have pulled that off and the creators of this show don't really have a track record with it so kind of going to something hoping that it's going to be six seasons worth of well-constructed story is maybe a fool's game at this point since it's like breaking bad and no one else who's done it
3: Yeah, I mean, so the creators here, we've got J.J. Abrams as a producer, but the main creators are Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, a married team. If the last name sounds familiar, that's because Jonathan Nolan's the brother of Christopher Nolan and often the screenwriter on his films. And the point I'm just trying to make is that the Nolans are famous for dazzling visuals and really strong performances and uh, complicated high concept things that don't always stick the landing. So... I don't know if I'm just like the wet blanket invited to the Westworld party, but I'm just nervous about the amount of mythology they're trying to pull off on this show.
2: Yeah. And it's a funny thing with this show in particular, because and a lot of people have said this before me, I'm not coming up with this insight fresh right here, but um, it's kind of meta because it's a show about storytelling and about sort of reality versus expectation and all this stuff. So it feels like this, it's this kind of reflexive thing of HBO being like, oh, so here's us reflecting on our high concept big expensive shows with a show about a high concept (laughs) expensive
0: thing you know yeah
2: so it's just kind of interesting and so I think that any success or failure the show has is just kind of inevitably going to mirror or or say something about HBOs and the Nolans and you know I think it's just kind of it's built that into its DNA which should be interesting to watch.
0: Does the mythology get substantially more complex than it is as laid out in the first episode?
1: It's pretty complex in the first episode. That's what
0: I'm saying. I don't I don't know that I want any there's, more layers of complexity a after that.
2: Somewhat bigger mystery introduced. Although I guess Ed Harris's character in the pilot sort of starts trickling into okay. it with the game and what there's another level to the game and then another character sort of kind of confirms that
3: yeah and then there's also like an added layer above it like the board of directors that was teased in the pilot but that's like sort of expanded on and there's three major characters that weren't introduced in the pilot like three even more characters ben barnes jimmy simpson and clifton collins jr they were all added after the pilot and so they're all introduced in episode two it's a lot of cast a lot of plot Game of Thrones, of course, very famously has all of that, too, and people love it. And, and it's they a had a pilot success. that had to be
1: reshot, uh, kind of like the Westworld pilot, where they shut down production.
3: Absolutely. But I guess the point I would make there is that Game of Thrones had a structure laid out by these books, at least for the first, you know, four seasons that were decades of the making. Whereas, you know, this is the Nolans
1: orchestrating this. Um, you know, once again, I'm just your friendly neighborhood cynic uh, <laughs> here to talk about Westworld. though. So. Well, I'm happy to have something that's kind of dense and layered to watch on Sunday nights. Like, I kind of miss that Game yeah. of Thrones tradition of jumping into a new world. Like, and even if this isn't as good as Game of Thrones, I think as long as it doesn't become, like, frustratingly bad, I will stick with it. Just, I mean, it's beautiful to look at. The acting's been really interesting. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued enough to stick through maybe some Monument Valley-sized problems. Do they
0: keep doing that Groundhog Day thing through every episode? I hope so. Every I really episode? Like they do. Yeah. That just keeps, that day keeps starting over pretty pretty and much. over again? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And
2: then you see it, the, the day for other people. If I, right. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so the next episode, just a little tease, kind of shows you how guests enter the park like what that process is like which uh, is pretty interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. um so i don't know i just find the world fascinating i'm curious to see where they go yeah I, you know I, i'm i'm sort of always beating the drum for like mini series like i would well, i would watch 10 episodes of this and have a story end i don't that's
0: yes. not clearly yes, not yeah, HBO's yeah, yes. plan there Do, but, have yeah. they actually said they want six seasons uh, has that been laid they out said, or five seasons. five okay. they yeah.
3: plotted out five seasons yeah. and well i agree with you richard i think i would have far fewer reservations if this were a 10 episode miniseries i'd be
0: all aboard for it so. Well, where
1: were you all for the night of then that was a 10 episode series <laughs> yeah i Although,
0: was there <laughs> is that but wait a minute i just finally finished the night of and mm. i have a big question are they going to come back and do season two with the same crime and a different suspected I don't, killer i
1: think, that's it, I think
0: it? it's, it's done. just done well,
3: I, think. I think they left the door open they did the, br- leave the british series is multiple seasons
2: uh,
0: so
3: um, wait and see i think was sort of their approach to it okay man
0: I hope not
1: uh, well real quick from all of you <laughs> we're gonna uh, do
0: Eastworld for next, <laughs> next season
1: well and in then... the books isn't there like a medieval world and a like pirate world or something I think I think in the Michael Crichton book there's like multiple other worlds I don't you can go is It's it it not a book it's, it's a just it's based it a on a film oh sorry but does that movie, movie
0: even exist or yeah, or yeah. Or yeah. 1973? Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner
3: is the Ed Harris well sort of this is the year remaking
0: Yul Brenner Westerns
3: yeah Yul Brenner in a black in a black cowboy hat who's gonna do the king
0: and i yeah
3: <laughs> he's really scary in the original westworld movie. movies like this glitchy malfunctioning killer robot and um right. but like the original Westworld is is uh it's very much jurassic park and it's contained and i just don't know that i want five seasons of jurassic park i didn't want four movies of jurassic park
1: <laughs> <laughs> and counting yeah real quick from all of you if you were really rich would you go to westworld
2: I was trying to think about that and somebody on Twitter kind of vocalized my... I was like... I would do one if it was, like, they could recreate, like, 1970s New York.
1: Mm, yeah, you can, like, Although, oh 1970s God. New York was
2: terrible for a lot of people, so I shouldn't try to glamorize it. <laughs> no, but if
0: nothing bad can like, happen to you, right, it if would you be could awesome. go to,
2: like, Studio 54 and, like, hang, hang out with Andy Warhol, yeah. uh, that would be fun. That would be more my speed than, like, you know, the old West. And little ones. I think I would, do,
1: I would do, like, 1920s London. That's oh, what I would oh, do. That's a good one. Yeah. This is much more fun than just when I go to Westworld, which I would, by the way. Just, like, hang out in the saloon and, like, watch people fight. And I mean, I wouldn't kill yeah. anybody, just to be clear.
2: Well, I might you kill say some that people. Now. They're <laughs> not
0: even people. I know, but Mike. That's the whole point. <laughs> <is a> <laughs> are, they are people. You are the emperor. <laughs> <advisor laughs> this
1: is your. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's funny. It made me think about my. It, this is going to sound crazy, but it, watching it last night, maybe, and then I had to walk the dog, take a break, and walk the dog, and I was like, this dog is kind of like the androids. <laughs> You know We kind of treat our pets Like You know what I mean They're just at our service uh-huh. We kind of They amuse us You love your own But all the other ones You don't really think of As having full inner lives
1: I think that about babies A lot of times I've, I've oh. learned this That when you have a baby They're way more interesting Than other people So yeah See that? Babies and dogs Are the androids babies Of our actual the Except we don't kill
3: them For sports As I far mean, as I some I people, people do. Animals
0: Not, yeah. not babies <laughs>
1: I kind of missed out on all of fall festival season And uh, by reading Twitter I've caught a few things about what's up And what's down in the Oscar season But I kind of want to use this opportunity for myself And maybe some listeners who are a little behind Just for some big questions that I need to be caught up on And I need a straight up and down answer Everybody ready?
2: Yeah, sure Okay,
1: a couple movies that came out earlier this year That I don't know if they're done Light Between Oceans Did anyone care about it? Done
2: what happened? Uh, it just didn't come together. You know, I, I liked it. I, yeah, I, I think that that too. movie has its fans, and I like a big portion of it. We had Derek Sinfrentz on the show, and he is such an interesting guy and such a talented filmmaker. It just feels like it's kind of a transitioning movie for him. Like He's sort of exploring new territory, mm-hmm. and, and, and it didn't quite catch with people. But
0: unfortunately, I would say it's Oscar
2: chances have sailed.
1: Fassbender will get yeah. that Oscar one of these days I,
0: I, I mean Do you think There's no chance For Fassbender In there
3: No No, <laughs>
0: no. Even in a, a week year
3: Just because no. nobody's Talking about it yeah. anymore it At all
2: yeah. the wrong time of year If it had come out In yeah. November or something Like maybe yeah. Yeah. I think Labor Day A release
0: That's pretty rough
1: Okay uh, Speaking of release dates Florence Foster Jenkins Came out in August Is Meryl Streep still in it
0: you Can never count her out
1: Okay Hugh Grant right Is like the thing That we think might happen Oh nice yeah.
3: That's yeah. exciting
2: I think that probably especially because you know the mail fields are a little bit empty right now. Okay,
1: well that- I
0: have no evidence for this but I think Isabel Huppert is going to take the Meryl Streep slot. Or very much could Yeah
1: Well you're leading me Into my next question Which is that I keep hearing Best Actress is super stacked Yes So uh, so what's happening there Why are we so excited About Best Actress
2: Well I mean There's Isabelle Huppert Who has two great movies This year Emma Stone and La La Land Um, Potentially We talked about this Last week About the Defenses trailer Viola Davis Viola Davis
0: Davis is still Deciding which award She wants That's the (laughs) big She's just sort of Sitting back
2: in her chair Being like Do I want Mm -hmm. She's (laughs) mapping If you win for supporting What does your career become Right Yeah 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 yeah, She's running all that Through
0: the algorithm Yeah Yeah. (laughs)
2: She's in there. Natalie Portman for Jackie's in oh, there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, a, there are a lot of big performances in movies that are pretty highly regarded. So I think that that's kind of why the focus has been on that. You know, compared to last year where the whole thing was Leo, Leo, Leo. And, mm-hmm. you know. Um, oh, Amy Adams, too. For know, Arrival. Arrival. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which has yet to be released, but it's everyone at festivals have seen it. And, it's really good. And played really well. And, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah, so Best Actress is stacked and Best Actor is looking relatively thin by comparison.
0: It is thinner Although I gotta say We were talking about this uh, Last week And you know You got Denzel for Fences You've got Ryan Gosling For La La Land You've got Casey Affleck Who we were saying Oh poor Casey Affleck Like maybe even The best performance Of the year But since he doesn't have Quite the same star power He (laughs) might not be able to But then I watched it I don't know I know a lot of people have seen it, but I don't know. This movie is so good. I think I might just beat the drum for Casey Affleck through the rest hey. of the thing. It's very me. It's like, a you know, Irish Catholic guy <laughs> dealing with a lot of internal torment or whatever. I fall for those kinds of things. But it's unbelievably good, this performance. Well, it's yeah.
1: an Amazon movie that's not on Amazon so I have no idea Yeah, I'll get to mm-hmm. see it
0: mm-hmm. what else is in uh, is an actor well Denzel you know there are a couple not Fastbender apparently no, has no I chance even so. though we can't think of the
2: thir- fourth and fifth there are some movies coming down the pike that could be like Scorsese has Silence. Silence I think Neeson will be supporting for that but Andrew Garfield has that and Hacksaw Ridge Mel Gibson's movie which was really well reviewed at right. Venice and then uh, there's this movie Gold this mysterious Stephen Gagan movie with Matthew McConaughey with the wheel bald head it's a very kind of like transform performance who knows about that i did speak to someone who saw it yesterday and i heard some interesting things that i probably shouldn't <coughs>
0: <coughs> what, elaborate uh, on but well you got tom hanks for sully you got michael yeah. keaton for michael the keaton. founder you got Joel yeah. ledgerton for loving yeah,
3: yeah i was the, gonna uh, say michael keaton is like a weird conversation that like peaked early and then we're not talking about it now i mean the founder oh. still has not come out but yeah because it was supposed to come out earlier in the year and then they moved it right To increase the Oscar
1: chances. Mm -hmm. So I feel like. We shouldn't sleep on Keaton. I There's think. definitely part of my brain that thinks he won an Oscar for Birdman. Like, I kind of yes. forget that yeah. it didn't happen. So yeah. maybe, I don't know if that helps or hurts him in this situation, but he's definitely in there. Well, I was going to ask about Sully because it's this crazy huge hit and last mm-hmm. time Clint Eastwood had a big hit, it was American Sniper. And I, my theory is that if the Oscars were held a month later that year, American Sniper would have won Best Picture. So are, should we be watching out for Sully?
2: I think, yeah, there could be a Sully surprise. I think that especially now that as <laughs> Surprising
1: we, as a flock of geese. Yeah,
2: well, but in a good way. Um, you know, (laughs) I think that I think the finances on that like the the box office really helped that movie a lot and it's a solid movie. I mean, he's really good in it. It's small though, even though it's about this crazy thing. It's not like a huge expansive story.
3: I feel like Hanks could get a nomination that's sort of like the Cranston Trumbo nomination Mm -hmm. where we're all kind of like, huh? Okay. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a great actor. Uh, there's a sure. lot of
4: uh,
0: <laughs> s- older folks in the voting body. Let's just put right. it that way. You know, right. we have to keep that in mind.
1: So the thing that always surprises me that Tom Hanks didn't get nominated for Captain Phillips, in which he was incredible. So you think that Tom Hanks is a slam dunk, but it kind of seems like he can miss somehow.
2: Yeah, I mean, it does happen. There is precedent because of the Captain Phillips kind of upset.
1: Yeah, that was really crazy. That's what I mean. Sort
3: of by the Cranston nomination is like Tom Hanks is always so solid, but never. Uh, you know, recently never very flashy. So I feel like we could get like a solid nomination versus a like, Oh my God, Michael Keaton and Birdman. What that, where did this come from?
1: Tom Hanks hasn't been nominated In 15 years It's kind of crazy I've been busy making That Da Vinci Code money uh,
0: it, Well I was going to say We're forgetting Inferno Guys It's, <laughs> it's coming out later this fall well, You're right I mean if, he, if not for Captain Phillips What could do it I mean I that scene At the end of the movie Where he breaks down mm-hmm. That's just like a classic Oscar yeah. audition tape yeah. Except it didn't feel like that Which is all the more reason Yeah Well what can you do
1: Well last question Speaking of Inferno uh, What's the big one On the horizon That we're looking for That's going to like Upset the whole thing Last year there were like Four movies coming out In December That everyone was waiting for for is it silence is it passengers
2: I think it's a movie that I'm seeing not this coming Friday but next Friday Billy Lynn's ha- long halftime walk mm, the at the New York Fall. Film Festival right? I think that could be a real game changer either way either it plays weird and it's on this crazy frame rate and it's like a kind of a technical experience apparently in addition to this war drama but uh, I I don't know I think Life of Pi was such a kind of sneaky it mm-hmm. won him best director like, yep. I, I don't mm-hmm. think we can ever count him out or his movies out so I'm really excited for that movie Yeah. and I
0: think that's my kind of most
2: anticipated
1: Mike what about you?
0: I don't know. I think Passengers looks like it'll be a good movie and make a lot of money, but I I don't, yeah, I'm not getting a, this comes in and mixes up the Oscar race feel off of it. I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see Billy Lynn. That's for sure. I don't know. It's hard to say. Joanna?
3: I'm going to go back to the founder and Keaton. Keaton with the spotlight and the Birdman, you know, Oscar track record. That's what I'm going to go with.
1: All right. And now we're going to welcome Molly Shannon, who is the star of the movie Other People that premiered at Sundance earlier this year and is now available on demand in theaters. Molly is obviously famous for her stint on Saturday Night Live, but uh, as we talked to her, she's had a really interesting career since she left that show in a lot of different comedies and dramas. And this movie is another one that really proves the dramatic chops that she has, that, uh, as she says, was always visible there, even when she was playing Mary Catherine Gallagher and uh, sticking her hands in her armpits.
2: Here's a fun topic. Um,
4: cremation. Oh. Oh.
1: Gonna, we talked about this. I, yeah, I,
4: know, we, I know. I know. I know. We talked about it. I just want to. I'm not going to be burned up. Okay. I don't. How would you like it if somebody set you on fire? No, thank you. Well, it's not like
2: they light you. You know.
4: I don't like camping, and I don't like fires, and I don't want to be personally lit on fire. I want to be frozen. Do they have that as an option? How you doing, Sacramento? city boy in the house. You're not too good for us now, are you? (laughs) I'm glad that you're moving home for a bit. Your mom's gonna need a lot of help. Don't look at us. We're drug addicts. (laughs) I thought you didn't want to try medical marijuana. Well, I tried it. (laughs) i read your letters. Please put Dono outside, I can't stand to see him licking his penis. Dono, no, no, stop it. Does anybody have any questions about what's going on with mom? When I die, you gotta live your life, except you can't date anyone for a year. And you can't date that slut who came to the door today.
2: I wish we could just
4: travel the whole world real quick, so you could just see everything. I get to see my whole world at dinner tonight. All I ever wanted was to be a mother. And oh
2: my I thought when your mom dies you get that beautiful revelation about life. So
4: and just everything becomes clear. <laughs> it always feels like something that happens to other people. Oh, but nothing takes the place of you.
0: Yeah, well now you're other people's other people.
1: So, Molly, between this and Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, you've had kind of two huge Sundance hits in a row, which is a really probably a rare feat. Does it feel as amazing to be in the middle of something like that, as it seems from the outside?
4: It really does. I couldn't believe it. You know, both of those movies premiered at the Echo Theater. I forget which nights they were. Maybe they were both.
1: Uh, other
2: People was the opening film. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that
4: wild? Yeah. Other People was the opening film. Okay. So, yes. I feel really, really lucky. And um, it's interesting, too, that there's death in both of those movies. In the one movie, I played a mother to a dying girl. And then in the other movie, I'm playing a woman who is dying. I feel really fortunate. And I've said this before. You know, I feel so grateful to Mike White because I think I got offered these parts because people really do love my work in Mike White's movies, and I think Mike showed people that I can do drama and comedy because he knew we were, were really good friends in real life, so he was able to really write for me, but a lot of those directors would quote in their letters when they were offering me parts. They would say, I really love you in you're the Dog, or I love you in Enlightened and Saturday Night Live, but but um, I just like to always just say how, how grateful I am to Mike White that he kind of showed people that I could, be dramatic
2: well I mean I'm not going to take credit for anything but you know when you would do the Mary Catherine Gallagher serious monologues from like movies of the <laughs> week like I was like yeah. oh wait she can actually do this <laughs> like this is not <laughs> you know because you started as a dramatic actress didn't you I mean at NYU
4: I did thanks for saying that I like that you referenced the monologue because those monologues were so serious to me so when people think of me just as a comedian, I'm like, those Mary Catherine Gallagher monologues are like, oh, mama. And I always wanted them underscored with music. It was like drama and heart and tragedy. And it was like I poured my heart out. You know, even though it's a character and it was on a comedy show, those were very dramatic monologues. And yes, I went to NYU drama school and I started out doing monologues you know, with a southern accent, with mama in them. (laughs) Mama. I did a lot of that before I got on Saturday Night Live. I remember when I was first starting, I memorized a monologue from The Twirler. It was like about a baton twirler, you know. And I used to do that all around town for agents. I would do that dramatic monologue to try to get signed by an agent. And, yeah, so I, I was just a regular drama student at NYU.
1: So when you, I mean, you have this long legacy on Saturday Night Live and you've been doing this dramatic work but when you're getting cast and things, when it's not people writing letters to you who've seen The Year of the Dog, do you find that you have to be like, no, 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 I can do this is there's kind of that idea that you're just a comedic actress or has that gone away, you know, 10 years after Year of the Dog was made have people kind of gotten the message?
4: I, I feel like people have kind of gotten the message, that's really nice but I do feel that way. But I mean, let's see, those are different audiences that see those movies, so I definitely have people that just know Saturday Night Live you know, and then I have other people that I think because I get recognized, you get to see the different types of people that see your work. So some people only know big comedy stuff, and then some people know both. It just depends on the type of fan. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then there's some people that have only seen me in Little Man, and that's also a compliment. you know? <laughs> like, there's all different types of people. But I would generally say that people kind of do know that I do both now, I think, and I feel so happy about that.
1: Is there one movie that you hear about more than anything else? <laughs> Um, I would definitely say superstar. <laughs>
4: <laughs> superstar I hear about a lot, like every day of my life, I would say. All the time It's Starbucks, you know, it's like, it seems to appeal to like everyone, like airports, all different age brackets. So it's, uh, it's really great. <laughs>
1: So Chris Kelly, who is the writer and director of Other People, is now the head writer of SNL. So I, I have to assume that was an automatic point of connection for you guys. Is that how you wound up working on this, or did you just kind of like have a ton to bond over when you were working on the movie?
4: Yeah, it's funny. We had never met, even though, yes, he's the head writer of SNL, but we never met at the show. I was at the scene there. I met Kate McKinnon and Eighty and I saw all these people, but I didn't meet Chris. So... When other people came around, he just offered it to me. I think um, his story is that he would always, when he was pitching, would say, "And you know, I'd like somebody like Molly Shannon to play my mom," but he didn't. I I think he didn't know if, if if he could get me or if I was available or I don't know. But he said he would always mention me, and then I just got the script. The financing came through pretty quickly. It was in the summertime, and I just they were like, "Read it now and let us know if you want to do it." And I read the script in my bedroom, and it. It, it took my breath away. I, I really have never had that kind of feeling reading a script. It just really pulled at my heartstrings. And I really, as a mother in real life, I really related to the mother character. And I love her relationship with the son. And the script just leapt out at me. I was like, "Oh, are you kidding me? I feel like I'm dreaming. Like, I, 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 you, I get, I'm getting offered this part? Like, it just, I was so excited. And I've never so quickly called somebody on the phone. I called them like two minutes later, I called Chris. He was on his way to like the correspondence dinner. He was in New York and I was in LA and I called him and I said, I would love to do your movie. And he was like, You would? Really? He seemed kind of like surprised and in shock. And I was like, Yes, yes. And so we started shooting quickly after that Because like I said The financing came together really quickly And I was so excited That I I had to go running for about 45 minutes I ran myself around my neighborhood like a dog Because I was so (laughs) excited I was like I can't believe I'm going to be in this movie And I would replay the scenes in my head Like this was like my fantasy about all i ever wanted like to be in a movie like this and you know becoming an actress and i just felt like wow i can't believe this is happening you know
2: so then if we can rewind back to january when it premiered at sundance and it was so rapturously received and i think your performance in particular got so much praise did that feel like a confirmation of something or was it an entirely new kind of surprise and excitement?
4: It just felt like an entirely new kind of surprise and excitement. I really just wanted to do a good job for Chris because I like him so much and he's like such a nice person and he's so humble. And, and I just felt like, I was like, I can't believe this young kid, you know, Chris is young and he's a comedy writer and I couldn't believe for his first screenplay he wrote this like vulnerable, moving, complicated family, emotional comedy. I was like, how did he do that? I, I, I just admire his bravery so much that really all I was thinking about was really wanting to do a good job for Chris. And like, is that right? Like really wanting to, and you know, it's not a docudrama. He's not like, no, that's not how my mother did it. You know, he wanted the essence. You know, he, he wanted to hire also, comedians, to keep it keep the balance too, between comedy and drama, not let it get too heavy. But I really was just thinking about Chris, so then when when people were saying really nice things about my performance, I was so surprised. I was like, "Wow, I did not expect that at all. I just mostly wanted to make sure Chris was happy with it, and that I did a good job kind of getting her essence and her spirit and what she cared about and her values and and her complicated relation with her son. I just wanted to do a really good job because I felt so lucky being given that material you know so i really i didn't expect anything beyond that i didn't even think about anything anything more than that just wanting to do like a good job on set that summertime when we shot it
1: it's yeah. a very motherly attitude yeah. you have it's like you adopted chris as your own child by playing a version of his mom oh,
4: oh well you know what He's just such a nice person, and and I I really, I truly am like, uh, you just, you feel his heart in the movie. I feel like I could cry. I, I feel like he's such a good person, and he's, like, so humble, and... And I just feel like he did such a beautiful movie, and it's it's very universal, because it's about family, and the son is gay, and it's complicated, and the father's not accepting his sexuality, and, and the mother feels between the husband and the son, and, but yet she's slipping away. Her life is being cut short, and I think, you know, having lost my mom at a really young age, I, like, deeply, deeply related to the, the material and, like, what a, what a mother would do for her children and how she would do anything to buy for time, like, brutalize her body and just, like, fighting for time to make it to these things. I just so deeply related to the material and was able to put, you know, my own stuff in it with also wanting to honor Chris's mom and Chris, and so it was just so special for me, like, certainly such a, a highlight in my career.
1: So as you were saying, there's all this, you know, really heavy stuff with the cancer, but he also cast all these comedians to try to bring some levity to it, you know, as, as there would be in real life. And one of the pleasures of watching the movie is every scene seems to bring a different actor or comedian you know from something. And I wonder, you know, you have the state in the comedy community. Like, did you know a lot of these people already? Or were you meeting some of these up-and-comers for the first time or combination?
4: I, I met some of those up-and-comers for the first time, and they got so many good actors. I tell Chris, like, I'm like, oh, my God, I love all these people, like... Zach Woods and John Early and, and I don't know the kid's name who was in the scene with the supermarket when he recognizes the kid from Sacramento who he mm-hmm. knew from years ago who was like, uh, I heard about your family situation. That's like one of my favorite scenes too. Paula Pell and I worked together at Saturday Night Live. She's the one with the that cures cancer Mm -hmm. you know um, she's just a powerhouse writer at Saturday Night Live for years and movie writer let's see who else did I Maude Apatow I never worked with no I think most I kind of just met on the set you know um, um, Lennon Who was so good Playing the teacher yeah. yeah I might have seen them Briefly like at parties But I didn't know them well So it was just such a fun set Because you're with So many super talented Comedians Carrie Kinney um, We shot those scenes You know like All in one or two nights The New Year's party scene So it was It was such a fun set Because it's all these Great comic minds
2: J.J. Tota, you would known for years Though of course
4: J.J. Toto And I go back Such a long yeah. time Yes How did you know <laughs> <laughs> No Yeah J.J. Tota. Isn't he incredible? Yeah.
2: Yeah, he was very much the the scene stealer at Sundance. Like, I think he came out after the show, like, when, when you guys came out on stage, the audience was really into him, which was fun to watch. This is
4: the kid who plays I Justin, know. I'm assuming. Yeah. so fantastic. Well, the real story about that is that, I'm not sure if you guys heard this, but he came in for the audition with Chris and Naomi Scott and Adam Scott, our producers, and in real life, he said, I'm so sorry, I'm late for this audition. I'm doing a full redac on my... Bedroom, and um, I'm using Querora marble. And Chris was like, "Oh my God, this kid cannot be for real. This is like I I couldn't find a better character than this. So because originally the character was supposed to be, it was it was written differently, and then they opened it up wider to see more different types of kids. So so they changed it, and then Chris just thought, I, "This he's the guy, he's the one." And Chris took him out for lunch and wrote down everything he was saying. So he was like, "This is just these are just gems. I'm going to put this in the movie."
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you, you can tell it feels like a very organic kind of.
1: Yeah, you know that kid can't have been cast to like do that. like he he right. has to be like that in real life. There's not. Yeah. It's too authentic to be faked. <coughs>
4: Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I love when he's like, come here. No, please, please. I have work to do. I like the way he moves his arms. I mean, he's just naturally funny, too. You know, please, please go, go. I could watch it over and over again.
2: He seems like he might also have some southern accented monologues with the mama in it in him (laughs) at at some point. (laughs) You know,
1: I know it doesn't he?
2: like a Beth Henley yeah. play is in his future.
1: <laughs> like a one man performance of the Glass Menagerie. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. But you're right, he is the sweetest. Like he'll do anything you want. I was like, JJ, can you make a video for my kids? And he's like, Hi, Stella, Nolan, you know, he'll do it. he's just sweet and he loves show business. He's like he's just adorable.
2: Yeah. If we could shift gears for a second to divorce, because that show is premiering on Sunday. And yeah. and you're you're a big part in that. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to that and, like, what, because you're kind of, movies and TV, you've sort of straddled both, like, is there a strategy there or is it just kind of uh, the best material, whatever the platform is?
4: Yeah, there isn't really a strategy. I would say, yeah, the best material and, um, let me think. I mean, my dream was always cable because I love the writing and the schedule is great for a... For a mom, I mean, if you could get that. But, of course, I was willing to do anything. But I just think there's so much fantastic writing on television now. And when I read that script, um, I was like, wow, Sharon Horton, she's amazing. And I'm a fan of hers. um she, I, I just think she's so talented she's from Ireland and she's just like a powerhouse uh, I think that she's really she has her finger on like the pulse of writing about women in a really honest way infidelity marriages complications I was like wow because I've seen versions of that story of couples in conflict but it tends to be too silly and I, I, I don't like that because I feel like it's so rich with it's like a comic gold mine and I think that you can make it funny but you have to keep the emotional stuff true and I think she does a brilliant job of that and Paul Sims, uh, our co-executive producer, they're just, and then we have this great group, staff of writers, so when I read it, I was like, wow, this is, this pilot twists and turns and surprises you, and and I really just, I think she's amazing, and I think that you find yourself siding with one character, then moving toward another, and you kind of switch alliances halfway through, and she just does a really good job of that. She's a really honest writer, and a brave writer, and like a real force to be reckoned with, I think. Sharon Horgan. so yes, yeah, so and when I read that, I was like, this is good. Ooh, this is juicy. This is like a a show I would watch. So I just felt lucky to be asked to um, read for it. And I knew Sarah Jessica Parker already from New York City. We knew one another socially because uh, Matthew Broderick and I had worked together in the Music Man, and we used to live in the same neighborhood. So I love Sarah, and she's just the best, and she's just like you know hollywood royalty an elegant class act and i was a huge fan of hers from sex and the City. i think she's such a good actress and she's just like a really considerate person who's always interested like how are you asking you about yourself so i felt so lucky to to get that part I, and um i think tv sometimes takes a while to like figure out the tone and the characters and how to write for them like so i'm very like i guess i'm like i approach it like business like like oh, I hope I can keep being written in and this would be so great if this could keep working but I because I went I was on SNL for a while I understand that these things are a process and they take time to to figure out and I'm I feel really lucky to be a part of it
1: what did SNL teach you about that process so that show seems so different from something like divorce It's like a scripted cable series it is so different.
4: I think because SNL is such a writing job. I wrote a lot of my characters. You have to write your way to get on air. So you, I come from more writing background, and I think that I'm always looking at. You have to kind of slowly show them what you can do, and you know, kind of establish your character. And that doesn't just happen overnight. I think that's why TV is tough because sometimes if something right out of the gate doesn't do well, it can be quickly canceled. Whereas it really takes like a staff and the cast. A while to kind of Figure itself out So it's nice if there's That time to kind of Develop and then like Get it you know So I think HBO Is great that way They seem to Really give shows a chance And so I guess I just more think About the writing And like just really with the writers of like okay good i hope they can slowly figure out my character and you know sarah jessica and thomas church are the central characters they have to do the heavy lifting but then we're the side ones and more thinking about the writing of it like understanding what they have to do to establish the main characters and try to not be selfish and just think of my part and just think of the show as a whole that helps me does that mm-hmm. make sense oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: So now that you've been working with Tracy Letts on the show, is there any chance he might write some really juicy theater role for you? Kind of an August Osage County style. That would be I don't know, amazing. I love
4: question. Well, that would be amazing. It's so funny on the show they let him improvise sometimes, and I'm like, he's the best improviser because he just writes so well. So it's so fun when we, me and Tracy, our couple fights, he he will just say the best things just off the top of his head. So that would be. That would be wonderful. I would
2: love that. <laughs> you might finally get your Big Mama monologue.
4: <laughs> Boy, he would be the best one to write it, right?
2: I think so, yeah.
4: Oh, Mama, I know. <laughs> That's so great.
1: So I guess uh, one last question before we let you go. Uh, Saturday Night Live during election seasons tends to be kind of at the forefront of all conversation. Do you tune in, like the rest of us, when it's election season, kind of dying to see what's going on? Or are you a, a regular I watcher? I thought...
4: I do, I tune in, I love it. I'm still really close to Lauren Michaels. He's just the best. And uh, I tuned in to the the season premiere and I thought it was excellent. I was like, wow. You know, I I thought that Alec Baldwin was fantastic. Um, Well, of course, Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider, this is their first year as head writer. So I just thought the show was really fresh. I, I, I thought it was excellent. I watch every week. I love the girls. I think they're so strong. I, I, I love this cast. I think they're great.
1: I really can't wait to see if they have someone playing Tim Kaine if they do the VP debate. I don't really know what you do with it, but it's a big comedy challenge.
4: I know. It's so fun to see who's going to get cast as what. And, you know, it's, it's really very exciting. But I thought they handled it so well. And it was so good that they had the debates before the first show. It was perfect timing.
1: Yeah, no, no, it's almost like they, the debate commission kind of knows SNL schedule and it's like, okay, we'll do this to get the maximum <laughs> level of attention. Exactly, exactly.
4: They all watch, all those politicians watch SNL. I remember when I was on it, they're all very aware of what's going on.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Molly, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on other people. I, you know, it's available for lots of people to watch, so it seems like it's going to, like you're the dog, it's going to keep getting discovered more and more by people as they uh, find out how great it is.
4: Oh, that's so nice. Thank
1: you so much. So before we go, uh, one more chance to catch me up on the Oscar race. What's the state of the Best Supporting Actor? Who's going to win if you had to do it right now?
2: If I had to do... Oh, I mean, I, you know, Hugh <laughs> really Grant, man. am I've been rooting for him since I saw the movie back in, like, July or June. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so good in Florence Foster Jenkins, and it's such a nice kind of comeback-y... And it's not like a comeback like he was out of work. He chose not to act yeah. f- much, f- you know, for, like, most of the thoughts. So, yeah, I would say that. But, you know, sight unseen... Joe Reed, friend of the podcast, has this intuition, and he's rarely wrong, that Liam Neeson could win for Silence. Oh, yeah. I like that Because he's never won an Oscar.
1: Which is crazy. You know,
2: he missed his chance for Lincoln, because he was originally going to play Lincoln, and then kind of dropped out. And then Daniel Day-Lewis won it. So, I don't know. I would say, though, between those two.
0: I'm just looking. I often cheat during this segment, and I'm looking at Gold Derby to see what people have. And I'm surprised, pleasantly, and I like it, is Mahershala Ali, from moonlight oh, and man. a lot of people this yeah. and that's one of the movies I've actually seen mm. and he's freaking amazing and he's having such a year yeah. mean, with Luke Cage and other things like and he's in Hidden Figures I believe like coming up so yeah, yeah. so I could I like that one I'm mm-hmm. going to I'm going to plunk down for that
3: Joanna how about you uh, they stole my answers. Which oh, no. I'm no. Lee. But I, you know what? I will do my dad's vote instead <laughs> because he asks me every day, which is Jeff Bridges and Hell or High Water, which I don't think is going to happen. He is, but I've my,
1: seen <laughs> Hell or High Water. It's one of the things I've seen. He's very good in it. But that my, also my, doesn't my dad
3: really it. wants an Oscar for Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water. So that's the dad vote.
2: <laughs> and when talking about this category, we should be clear. We don't know yet if the geese from Sully are running as actors <laughs> or actor. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. So
0: that clearly.
2: Did
1: they get their SAG cards so they could qualify? Yeah
0: so they're like after now and you know <laughs> but I tell you who's popping up a lot as well is Steve Martin for Billy Lynn's long halftime walk there's I didn't even know and was I've heard it. whispers about Vin Diesel in that movie same movie but has anyone actually seen it I thought no. like no one's seen so. it so people are just kind of like Steve Martin like is like a man of a certain
1: age so would and be it's a
0: prestige movie
2: and classic he hosted the move. Oscars
1: not long ago uh huh yeah tune in two weeks uh-huh. now I guess you guys will have a lot of uh intel for us on that
0: yeah yeah <laughs> rich and i are spending friday evening together <laughs> yeah. watching angley's whatever technology long halftime screening <laughs>
1: Does it for this week's Little Gold Men? Thank you so much for listening and for having me back. Please rate and review us on iTunes if you get the chance. It helps us find new listeners, and we appreciate it. And we're all writing about award season and all the rest of it at VanityFair.com. We're all on Twitter at Little Gold Men, and individually, I'm at Katie Rich, Richard
0: Ryla's R-I-L-A-W-S,
1: and Mike, Mike underscore Hogan, and Joanna. Joe wrote this. This episode was produced and edited by Alana Milner and thanks to Lara Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And this week's award for the best Hillary Clinton response to the vice presidential debate goes to Mike Hogan.
0: She's running all that through the algorithm. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>